Here it is. From deep inside your audio device of choice. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I, maybe you've heard about the miracle of clean coal. Have you? We hear about it now from uh, this new administration. Clean coal. Cl- the magic of clean coal. Clean coal. It's going to do. Here's what clean coal is going to do, apparently, at least in Mississippi. Southern Company's $7.5 billion clean coal plant in that state isn't going to run as a clean coal plant. According to state regulators, it'll run as a natural gas plant instead. That's a gut punch. Gut punch, as they say in Mississippi. Gut punch to the uh, company's hopes of recovering billions of dollars in cost overruns. Why, they could have built a nuclear plant and had those. And paving the way for next-generation coal plants. The, The miracle of clean coal. The Kemper County Energy Facility, I'm going to call it the KCEF for short, would be the first large coal-burning plant in the United States to capture and store the majority of its carbon dioxide emissions. This is from EE News. The power plant was supposed to gasify lignite coal into synthetic gas, capturing the carbon dioxide for use in enhanced oil recovery. Sounds complicated. And it was, apparently. The plant has been running on natural gas for years, and each of the company's Two gas or each of the plants, two gasifiers. How many do you have, by the way? Gasifiers, just you know, around the house, has successfully produced electricity from synthetic gas. But Mississippi Power, the unit of the Southern Company building the plant, has struggled, or as they say in Mississippi, struggled, to keep the plant's complex systems running nonstop. That's delayed its full startup. You can't start up if you have to keep stopping. I guess is the lesson there. The surprisingly aggressive move by the panel of Mississippi regulators is a significant financial and political setback for the Southern Company. That company has promoted the idea of building a first-of-its-kind clean coal, clean coal plant. The uh, power company could be stuck with a massive bill the state won't allow it pa- to pass on to electricity customers while they're tough in Mississippi. Let them pass it on to customers like California does. Instead, the state public, uti- public service commission wants the utility plant to keep running on gas. Well, that mean we have to fire up the gas fires, wouldn't it? Uh, the settlement will allow the plant to run on gas only and not raise customer rates, according to the commission. And the uh, commission said the company should find a way to lower rates. And none of the gasifier assets will ever be included in the rate base, says the head of the Public Service Commission. Mississippi, ladies and gentlemen, what's happening? Now, We hear the phrase fake news thrown around with abandon these days, particularly by the uh, denizens of the current administration. And uh, a lot of what they claim to be fake news isn't, but a lot of what goes on in the news could raise questions. Case in point, um, the media... The national media, the New York Times, NBC, CNN, since uh, last August, I believe, which was the day that the the uh, linguistic dam opened. Since that time, they have not um, hesitated or uh, tiptoed around the notion that President <laughs> President Trump lies. They use the L word all the time now, uh, or they'll say uh, he said something that for which there is no uh, evidence. They'll say that and and probably should. 
on that by that standard, though, one has to ask why they continue to present as um, guests on talk shows. James Clapper, who lied under oath before a committee of the United States Senate, later apologized for it, and John Brennan, who um, has prevaricated on numerous occasions, as enumerated in 2011 in the Washington Post. But that was six years ago. They never mentioned John Brennan was on Meet the Press this morning. He was not introduced as a serial prevaricator. As far as I could tell, maybe I, I miss, maybe I just missed that part. And and then there's this. If um, if you want to tune into NBC Nightly News, which is your privilege as an and as an American, you would normally find it spelled N I G H T L Y, but sometimes it's spelled N I T E L Y. Why? Because the automated system used by the ratings company Nielsen can't tell that Nightly with an I-T-E is the same show as Nightly with an I-G-H-T. Why does that matter? A report in the Wall Street Journal this week details how networks are taking advantage of that fact to disguise particular airings of programs that underperform with viewers. It's described as a common practice in the world of TV ratings. Programs, of course, with higher ratings can charge advertisers more for commercials. When an episode performs poorly with viewers, the networks often intentionally misspell the show title in their report to Nielsen, fooling the system into separating that airing out as a different show and keeping it from affecting the overall average rating of the show. Practice was initially used sparingly, like when a broadcast would go up against a major sporting event, but it has now grown fairly common. NBC misspelled the title of NBC Nightly News 14 times since the current TV season began last fall. That at one point included an entire week of broadcasts of NBC Nightly News. Competitors at CBS and ABC allegedly followed suit. ABC submitted World News Tonight, WRLD News Tonight, on seven occasions. During the season, CBS reportedly misspelling the name of its evening newscast as CBS Evening NWS a total of 12 times. Gamesmanship occurs with regard to scripted programming, too. This, according to the Wall Street Journal, owned by Rupert Murdoch, lets networks separate reruns out from first-run episodes and boosts a show overall ratings. NBC, ABC, and CBS didn't immediately respond to requests for comment. An NBC spokesperson told the Wall Street Journal that the retitlings were, quote, standard industry practice. All right, then. Here's my standard industry practice. I introduce this broadcast by saying, hello, welcome to the show. SHW.
from New Orleans, Louisiana, home of New Orleans, I'm Harry Shearer welcoming you to this edition of the show. Ladies and gentlemen, we're, I think our minds are focused a little bit more than uh, they might normally be on uh, the issue of missile defense, what with the uh, news that North Korea, that nutty gang in in, uh, Pyongyang, um, has um, found a way to uh, ignite and uh, launch and uh, not have it explode an ICBM, an intercontinental ballistic missile, which is uh, disturbing news, perhaps. Perhaps. Um, so as, as I say, the issue of our ability, the United States' ability, that is to say, to uh, defend against an ICBM now returns to center stage to, to a certain degree. This, then, would be uh, interesting from Scientific American, quoting David Wright, co-director and senior scientist with the Union of Concerned Scientists Global Security Program. He's talking about the United States missile defense system. The program behind the system has not been run very well, he says. It was exempted by former President George W. Bush from the standard fly-before-you-buy oversight and testing rules. And so it's been able to go forward without jumping through the hoops that Congress finds again and again are important to make these things work. These intercept tests are incredibly expensive, about $2 million each. The Pentagon's main tester has said the missile defense system has no demonstrated operational capability. And yet people are saying they could shoot down North Korean missiles. They have a 90% chance of success. I worry about political leaders, he says, who don't understand the technical issues, thinking that they have capability that they don't actually have. And by they, he means we. And now, news of the godly. Deadline Vatican City. In a new letter to bishops, the Congregation for Divine Worship and the Discipline of the Sacraments has denounced abuses against the Eucharist and lack of respect in the sacred sphere. There's, a, there's a, actually some content that, that follows those words. The letter issued at the request of Pope Francis addressed norms regarding gluten-free hosts, that is the wafers that are used in the... Uh, Eucharist. Quote, hosts that are completely gluten-free are invalid matter for the celebration of the Eucharist. Low-gluten hosts, partially gluten-free, are valid matter, provided they contain a sufficient amount of gluten to obtain the confection of bread without the addition of foreign materials and without the use of procedures that would alter the nature of bread. I just, I guess, I guess everybody just enjoyed saying gluten a lot. And they were writing that. The congregation also issued a norm regarding genetically modified organisms, saying Eucharistic matter made with genetically modified organisms can be considered valid matter. Glad we cleared that up. But no, no gluten-free wafers. Okay, so you, you, you make you make your choice. I, I, I can't weigh in on this. But uh, I can weigh in on the Apologies of the Week. We're so sorry 
And here they are. In no particular order. For years, Orange County Sheriff's officials have assured and reassured a Los Angeles Superior Court judge, or actually a Southern California Superior Court judge, Thomas Guttles, they've been searching diligently for jailhouse records, he demanded. Again and again, they sat in his courtroom and swore there was nothing more to be found, only to be followed by the discovery of multiple additional troves of hidden material. How does this happen? Guttles asked Sheriff Sandra Hutchins this week. They were dead wrong. They possibly did not look hard enough, said Hutchins. The exchange came in a hearing meant to look into the Sheriff's Department's repeated failure to turn over evidence in the case of a former tugboat captain who pleaded guilty to murders to bolster its chances of sending the um, perpetrator to death row, the prosecution originally sought to use evidence against him obtained by a veteran jailhouse informant. The judge must decide whether the sheriff's department can be trusted to turn over evidence. I cannot explain why the boxes were not discovered before, Sheriff Sandra Hutchins said, I apologize that we apparently did not know where those items were being kept. The judge replied, you're Harry Truman, the buck stops with you. No no, uh, idea whether the sheriff replied, who's Harry Truman? A Florida Democratic Party legislative committeeman was apologizing for saying he would pull the trigger on WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange and whistleblower Edward Snowden after facing days of intense backlash and death threats over his comments. Florida Party Committeeman and Democratic lobbyist Evan Ross said he's sorry for the tweet which spiraled his life into chaos after it was published to hundreds of thousands of people online. I regret my words and apologize for them. I chose them out of emotion rather than thoughtfulness. The comments do not represent me or what I believe. I abhor violence would never seek to harm anyone. I would take back my words if I could. I offer my apology to those who I offended, and I will use this opportunity to learn and grow. It started when Ross took to Twitter... about uh, Assange. Quote, he exposed classified American secrets that endangered lives. He and his buddy Edward Snowden both deserve to meet their maker. I'd be happy to pull the trigger on both of those, too. Unquote. It doesn't represent him. That's not what he... He's not vile. He wouldn't... I... (laughs) He is... um, My my favorite uh, description of Ross is that he's a uh, budding young lobbyist. I don't believe one word of his apology, said Democratic African-American Women's Caucus President Leslie Wimes. I believe he was told by the party to apologize to get rid of the bad press. But it's exactly how he feels. He is a a monster. If he really wanted to do the right thing, he would apologize to Assange and Snowden. Daylight Kansas City, a Kansas City... Kansas City, Missouri, in case you're wondering, a Kansas City store is apologizing for selling a hat critics say makes light of suicide. The hat has the words, Just Kill Yourself, written above an upside-down handgun in an apparent reference to the Nike logo. The manufacturer of the hat is unclear. The hat caught the attention of one shopper who immediately took action. The name of the store, Bunker. Which issued a statement saying we'll no longer offer the hat, calling it insensitive and apologizing for any pain the hat caused to customers. What do you expect when you walk into a store called Bunker? It's not, you know. Canada has issued an $8 million settlement to former Guantanamo Bay detainee Omar Khadr. The government also apologized for any role Canadian officials may have played in relation to his ordeal abroad and any resulting harm. 
Cotter was captured in 2002 in Afghanistan at the age of 15, spent a decade in Guantanamo, convicted by a U.S. military commission in 2010 of killing a U.S. Army sergeant, Christopher Speer. The uh, confession... Uh, well, let's, let's get to it. Cotter was the youngest prisoner ever detained at Guantanamo. He became a cause celeb for opponents of the, of the uh, prison there. His case received international attention. He was convicted of five crimes, including throwing a grenade that killed Spear. He said his confessions to U.S. officials were made under duress. He was repatriated in 2012 after agreeing to a plea deal to leave Guantanamo and serve the majority of his eight-year sentence in Canada. That's almost as bad. He was released on bail in Canada in 2015. His defenders describe him as a child soldier. Others argue he was a radicalized fighter at the time of his capture. He was taken to Afghanistan by his father, who was a member of al-Qaeda. He spent his childhood in Canada and Pakistan. There are some Canadians who are objecting to the $8 million. That's the second Canadian detainee Canada has apologized to for may have aided in his capture and thing. There's a town in Texas called Far, P-H-A-R-R, and there's an athletic clothing company there called Miami Fitwear, because why, why would you call it Far Fitwear? You wouldn't. You really wouldn't. You, if you could call it Miami, you would. They have apologized and removed leggings they've made. Leggings carry images of the Hindu deity Lord Ganesha, Hindus objected, calling it highly inappropriate. The founder of Miami Fitwear, Raquel Ponce, in emails to uh, a Hindu spokesman, wrote, We have removed the leggings from our website. I'm truly sorry if I offended anyone with printing those leggings. That was not my intention at all. And again, I apologize. The last thing I wanted is to offend anyone. I think what he wanted was to sell leggings. The Hindu spokesman said that Ganesha was highly revered in Hinduism and was meant to be worshipped in temples or home shrines and not to adorn one's legs. European Commission President Jean-Claude Juncker wrote a one-page note to European Parliament President Antonio Tajani apologizing for losing his temper when he called the European Assembly ridiculous. Hours after the pair's angry exchange, Juncker met Tajani privately, according to aides, and handed him the letter. By the way, in case you're wondering... Nobody votes for either of those guys. That's why the European Union is so damn good. Dayline Wellington, New Zealand. New Zealand lawmakers unanimously apologized this week for the tremendous hurt and suffering of hundreds of men who were convicted of homosexuality during the years it was treated as a crime in um, that country. Parliament took the rare step of issuing a formal apology to all theirs, all those unfairly convicted under the antiquated laws. Lawmakers also approved the first stage of a bill that would allow the men to have their criminal records wiped clean. Legislation that comes four years after the nation legalized same-sex marriage. Measures were passed with unanimous approval among lawmakers from both political parties, or various political parties. Today we're putting on the record that this House deeply regrets the hurt and stigma suffered by the many hundreds of New Zealand men who were turned into criminals by a law that was profoundly wrong, and for that... We're sorry, said the Justice Minister. She said it was unimaginable today that consensual sex between adults would be considered criminal. It is never too late to apologize, she said. United, speaking of people who, for whom it is never too late to apologize, a Hawaii teacher says she was forced to hold her 27-month-old son on her lap for three and a half hours after United Airlines gave the toddler seat to a standby passenger. 
I told the agent I bought both of these tickets, and he tells me he got the ticket on standby. She didn't say that to the agent. She said that to the standby passenger who demanded the seat. Then he proceeds to sit. She told the flight attendant about the problem, but the woman just shrugged and the flight was full and walked away. He's 25 pounds. He's half my weight, said the passenger. Spokesman for United says because gate agents inaccurately scanned the boarding pass, their system showed him as not checked in, that is the toddler, so his seat was released to another passenger. We deeply apologize to Miss Yamauchi and her son for this experience. We're refunding her son's ticket and providing a travel voucher. We're also working with our gate staff to prevent this from happening again. The passenger says the incident makes her nervous about flying United again. I'd bought both of these tickets way in advance. I had my receipts. I had my boarding pass. Yet this happened. You know, United happens. Representative Clay Higgins, Republican of Louisiana, apologized Wednesday for recording a five-minute video on the grounds of the former Nazi death camp in Auschwitz and posting it to social media, sparking criticism from the museum and on social media. I filmed the uh, Auschwitz message with great humility. My intent was to offer a reverent homage to those who were murdered in Auschwitz and to remind the world that evil exists, that free nations must remember and stand strong, he wrote. However, my message has caused pain to some who I love and respect. For that, my own heart feels sorrow. Out of respect to any who may feel that my video posting was wrong or caused pain, I have retracted my video. He says in the part of the video, The world is a smaller place now than it was in World War II. The United States is more accessible to terror like this, horror like this. It's hard to walk away from the gas chambers and ovens without a very sober feeling of commitment to make damn sure the United States of America is protected from the evils of the world. Not really an apology. Oh, yeah. My sincere apology for any unintended pain is extended. There it is at the end of the statement. The uh, museum tweeted that recording inside a former gas chamber is inappropriate. I'll say. And the uh, Reddit user who initially claimed credit for President Trump's tweet that showed Trump tackling a uh, a guy with a, a, a CNN logo in, in place of his head issued an apology this week for the video and other offensive content he had posted one day after CNN identified the man behind the account and attempted to make contact with him. Han A-Hole Solo, that's his Reddit name, first shared the gif last Wednesday of Trump pummeling a wrestler with CNN's logo superimposed on his face. He wrote in a lengthy post on Reddit, he does not advocate violence against the press and expressed remorse there and in an interview with CNN for other posts he made that were racist and anti-Semitic. He did not, however, write them from inside Auschwitz. CNN later uh, in this in the story said they were not uh, releasing the man's real name because he'd asked them to because he's a private citizen, but said that decision might uh, be changed if he continued to post such material, which brought charges that CNN was blackmailing him. The apologies of the week, ladies and gentlemen. It's a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Don't you know? Um, it's, it's been so long since we tortured anybody. Um, it's, it's right way on the back burner at this point, except that in the last uh, few days, the New York Times has published excerpts from the videotaped depositions of the two psycho- psychologists who devised the enhanced interrogation techniques used by the United States during the um, early 2000s, early and mid-2000s. You, kn- you may know their story by now. 
Dr. James Mitchell and Bruce Jessen. Basically, what they did was reverse engineer the the uh, the United States trained its troops during the Korean War to withstand possible torture by the Chinese communists, lest they be captured by the Chinese. Uh, what Mitchell and Jessen did was reverse engineer those techniques to withstand the Chinese torture to um, emulate such techniques that the Chinese might have been using, but not to torture, you understand, just to enhance. Um, Mitchell wrote a book recently about his experiences. Jessen has been uh, taciturn about his involvement in all this. The company they founded ultimately ended up making 81 mi- getting paid $81 million by the CIA. Mitchell and Jessen, uh, after devising the techniques, were then uh, tasked by the CIA to do some of the interrogating themselves to uh, do, their, do their own enhancing, despite the fact that neither of them had uh, experience in interrogating detainees, detainees or prisoners. Although Mitchell said, you know, I'm a psychologist. I, I interrogate all the time. In his deposition, Dr. Mitchell revealed that he, along with the others, urged the CIA to destroy the videotapes the agency had made of some interrogations. This uh, countermanded a court order that the CIA maintain possession of those tapes. They defied a court order, that is to say. That became subject of investigations both by the Justice Department and Congress. Mitchell explained his reasoning about the graphic images of waterboarding and other practices. Quote, I thought they were ugly and they would, you know, potentially endanger our lives by putting our pictures out so that the bad guys could see us, unquote. Both men denied accusations that they evaluated the effectiveness of the methods they promoted. However, Physicians for Human Rights in a report released a couple of weeks ago, contends the men and the CIA engaged in unethical experimentation on detainees, which is banned by the Nuremberg Code developed after World War II, as it applies to health professionals. The group said the explicit mention of applied research in the psychologists' contracts with the CIA, released recently through Freedom of Information lawsuit, or the lawsuit the ACLU has filed against Mitchell and Jessen, um, because they are not being prosecuted, but they are being sued by representatives for two of the detainees they uh, enhanced, indicate those, uh, those mentions of applied research, indicate that the enhanced interrogation program, quote, was itself an applied research regime and in- implicitly conceptualized as, as such by the CIA, according to the Physicians for Human Rights. In, um, in the tape, tapes released by the New York Times, first Jessen and then Mitchell explained why uh, they continued to uh, engage in the enhancement. We also didn't want to use waterboarding. We ended up uh, in a video conference with Jose Rodriguez and a bunch of folks. And uh, prior to that, Bruce and I had said, we're not going to continue doing this. And what they said was, well, we'll, you guys have lost your spine. They kept telling me every day a nuclear bomb was going to be exploded in the United States and that because I told them to stop, I'd lost my nerve and it was going to be my fault if I didn't continue. I think the word that was actually used is, is that you guys are pussies. There's going to be another attack in America and the blood of dead civilians are going to be on your hands. If you won't follow through with this, then we're going to send somebody out there who will. Because we worked for them and they wanted it continued. They were just following orders. 
That worked at Nuremberg, didn't it? Mitchell and Jessen signed up to teach a lesson to the CIA. Mitchell and Jessen inducing confessing they could do it all day. A couple of shrinks for hire, they did nothing but aspire to make millions. Off of torture Never did it before But they had read up on the lore You get better When you do mortar Making learned helplessness and the winding way to the truth. Mitchell and Jessen, for the troops, it got depressing. Guarding the cage and the booth. A couple of shrinks at large, helping to lead the charge to take the handcuffs. Off of torture Now we know each one's name And they can dig their fame Either in jail Or on their porcher The pain doesn't lessen For the customers of their wares Mitchell and Jessen No salad all dressing But after all No one cares Now ladies and gentlemen News our friend the Anarchy Without our friend Addy the Atom, he is uh, off doing research. Dayline Albuquerque U.S. regulators say they're investigating the improper shipment of nuclear material from the laboratory that created the atomic bomb, that's all, to other federal author- uh, facilities. That's the latest safety lapse for Los Alamos National Laboratory as it faces growing criticism over its track record. The National Nuclear Safety Administration said it was informed by the lab that procedures were not followed when shipping small amounts of special nuclear material to facilities in California and South Carolina. Material had been packaged for ground transport. Instead, it was shipped via commercial air cargo service, which isn't allowed. There was no contamination or loss of radioactive material when it was tested at the destination, but it comes as criticism intensifies over the history of safety lapses at Los Alamos. 
I, I believe their motto is safety schmafety, but I'm not sure. Dayline Boise, Idaho, federal officials requested a 20-year extension involving the storage in Idaho of reactor core debris from the melted-down stuff at Three Mile Island. The Department of Energy asked the Nuclear Regulatory Commission to renew a license allowing storage until 2039 at a site that includes the Idaho National Laboratory. The uh, debris was originally shipped from Pennsylvania, where Three Mile Island still is, what's left of it, to Idaho between 86 and 90. Research on the material was performed to improve nuclear, nuclear fuel design and reactor safety. The license to store the material now expires in 2019, and the agency is required to remove the waste from the state by 2035. But federal officials currently have nowhere to send it. Deadline, Vernon, Vermont, a senior radiation protection technician at the closed Vermont Yankee nuclear plant, deliberately falsified safety records and failed to check equipment that monitors workers for contamination for eight months last year according to the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, in its violation order. The NRC said the now former technician failed to daily check personal contamination monitors for employees just from January to to September of last year. That's a low-level violation, according to the NRC. But the significance of it had been raised because the deception had been deliberate and willful and because Entergy, the owner of Vermont Yankee, did not discover the problem itself and report it. Unclear how many workers were at the plant at the time. Employment at the reactor decreased sharply when it stopped generating electricity three years ago. So it only hurt uh, the ones they loved. Cameco Resources is a Casper, Wyoming-based operator of uranium mines. They will not be fined for violations that ended with two leaks of toxic sludge. You don't get fined for leaks to the toxic sludge, apparently, in Wyoming at least. The spills came, uh, one in August 2015 and a second the following March, occurred while Kamiko was transporting waste from uranium mining to a disposal site in Utah. The company that received the waste noticed leaking containers. <laughs> huh. Look at that. Look at that. Look at there. And notified federal regulators after an investigation of the incidents and Kamiko's transportation program, the NRC identifi- uh, identified nine violations, including lack of appropriate testing, documentation of hazardous materials, and training that led the company to use improper containers to transport the sludge. Given the seriousness of the violations, the company could have faced a $35,000 fine, but federal regulators will waive those fees because Kamiko is correcting the source of the problem, according to an NRC letter. You know, I'm, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll correct that robbery I did at the liquor store. So you don't have to, given this, Kamiko also passed the last two inspections by nuclear regula- regulators without serious violations. The company will have to implement a series of safety measures, including holding an annual meeting for management on complying with federal regulations. Ah, oh, it'll be a fly on the wall. Increasing new and existing employing, employee training opportunities not required. You know, it's just an opportunity to be trained. Would you like it? Sure. And providing a qualified staffer on site when equipment is moved from restricted to non-restricted areas. It's so tough to find qualified staffers these days. Steps that were put in place to guard against future violations following the first spill were found insufficient last year. So they already tried some stuff. 
to uh, mitigate the problem, and that didn't work. That leads to the increased measures in the current deal. Regulators will conduct another inspection to assure compliance. Kamiko has faced penalties in Wyoming before, including a $500,000 fine leveled by the state's Department of Environmental Quality, noting routine spills at their uranium mine in 2008. So they're, they're good people. For the first time since 1984, renewable energy production outpaced nuclear in March and April in the United States. Uh-oh, according to the U.S. Energy Information Administration, renewable power overtook nuclear power largely because of spikes in hydropower, wind, and solar, coupled with a dip in... <laughs> well, yeah, one goes up and the other goes down. That would... Thank you, HartfordBusiness.com. Hydro reached its highest production level in nearly six years, aided by record precipitation and snowpack in California. Wind and solar output fluctuates seasonally, increased 16% and 65% respectively. The NRC has issued a white violation finding against the nuclear power plant near Richland, Washington, related to a November radioactive waste shipping incident. A A lot of nutty stuff with the waste shipping going on. Apropos of the uh, news this week that there may have been some attempts to hack nuclear power plants. Most recent information is none were. And uh, we are reassured, we're supposed to be, that nuclear power plant industrial controls are air-gapped, meaning they are run on computers that are not connected to the public Internet. That doesn't necessarily mean they're secure. A 2015 study by the British think tank Chatham House found nuclear control systems are, quote, insecure by design, unquote, and vulnerable to attack. Some did not keep control systems isolated from administrative networks that are connected to the Internet. Others are vulnerable despite that air gapping, as it's called, because of the heavy use of USB thumb drives to move data and install software updates. Many of these systems run on older operating systems that are not regularly updated. Well, all right then. News... Clean, cheap, safe, not regularly updated. Our friend, the Adam. It's um, it's nuttiness, ladies and gentlemen. It's nuttiness all the way around. Why should we be any different? And now, please allow me, won't you, to read the trades for you. From Advertising Age, this is me. See, I'm actually going to be reading something. From Advertising Age, the Bible of the advertising industry. couple of items. First, back-to-school marketing starts earlier than ever. I'll read that for you first. Summer baby in full swing, but back-to-school season for some marketers began long ago, in some cases before students even closed last year's textbooks. Campaigns from Office Depot and Land's End have already been running for weeks. More brands are expected to push out campaigns later this week. Compare that to last year when back-to-school TV commercials didn't begin airing until mid-July. As soon as you're past 4th of July, you'll see more brands and retailers talk about back-to-school, which I think is still early, said the director of empathy at a Boston-based ad agency. Just roll that job title around in your mind for a moment, ladies and gentlemen. The director of empathy. 
He continues, it's reached the tipping point where the commercialization and reliance on big data tells them the earlier they get to market, the more likely those shopping in that time frame will spend more, unquote. The director of empathy. And TV networks are trying to keep a stiff upper lip. The once lucrative erectile dysfunction sector has begun falling away, according to multiple insiders. Viagra has all but vanished from the airwaves. Its absence will be particularly conspicuous during the upcoming NFL season. Nearly 20 years after the FDA first approved its use as an ED remedy, Viagra is losing its patent protection. They haven't aired a national TV advertisement since mid-May. And executives said the brand is unlikely to resurface on TV. Viagra last season invested nearly $31 million in the NFL. This is in the face of the impending launch of a generic version of the brand. Once a generic gets in the mix, that usually spells the end of any direct consumer advertising for the legacy brand, said one ad sales exec. The pharmaceutical company will reallocate the portion of its budget back into brands that are still exclusive. Cialis hasn't bought any NFL inventory in the upcoming season either. It will lose its patent protection halfway through the NFL season. So, that's kind of interesting news. Comes when I read the trades for you, but What can we expect now? One, two, three, four. When you're in the middle of the big game. Coming right back for the fourth quarter. Hey, what happened? No commercial about ED? <laughs> what the hell were we supposed to do about those romantic moments now? What romantic moments? Now, there's an answer. An app that lets you take your own video footage of your romantic moments and make your own ED commercial. Easy deasy. Now you can watch yourselves lounging in a lazy canoe, playing frisbee in the park, taking a long, slow hike through the woods, then add a selection of seductive and copyright-cleared music from your favorite decade, and top it off with 30 seconds of professionally recorded disturbing warnings, all in the privacy of your own internet-connected phone. Easy Deasy is great for reminding you to take your pills or to ask your doctor. Easy Deasy should not be used by people with serious allergies or poor credit. Side effects have included getting involved in homemade pornography. Ask your doctor if Easy Deasy is right for you. Then, when the moment is right, coming right back with overtime, you'll be ready. And action. Easy Deasy. Because you can never ask your doctor too often. Oh, 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 
Now, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to say one word to you. Just one word. Yes, sir. Are you listening? Yes, I am. Microplastics. Think about it. Will you think about it? Yes, I will. Enough said. Water samples taken from Lake Winnebago in uh, Wisconsin have come back with microbeads and microplastics in them. The water for the research was collected at the Fond du Lac Wastewater Treatment Plant. 
three samples came back with microplastics in them. They can be toxic and consumed by fish. The next step for researchers is to see how microplastics are affecting the fish in Lake Winnebago or in Winnebago's. We, know if, we don't know if the problem stops in the fish or when we eat the fish, the problem goes with us, said a professor at the University of Wisconsin. This is some of the questions we need to answer. Not a professor of English. Treatment plant is disappointed by the results, says there are no regulations to filter microplastics, which makes it a tough sell to the taxpayers to buy the proper equipment to filter them. We have to focus on the contaminants we're required to remove first and foremost, says an executive at the plant. This is um, not the first plant where uh, microplastics are found, of course, but it's maybe the first one in Wisconsin. The plant says people can limit the microplastics from entering the waterways by not purchasing products that have microbeads. They were banned by Congress and will continue to be phased out of, uh, of products over the next couple of years. Also, be aware that things like daily used plastic synthetic clothing and diapers contain microplastics. So we... We won't be knocking off using microplastics just just yet, just because of the uh, just because of the diapers. Now, news of the warm, won't you? How'd you like to see an animated film called The March of the Nothing? It may be uh, in your future. Emperor penguins, known for braving the harsh Antarctic winters, may not be able to brave the harsh realities of climate change, according to Science Magazine, reporting the finding of a new study which suggests by the end of this century, the world's largest penguins may not be existful. Previous research suggests that rapidly warming air and sea temperatures which have the effect of melting sea ice, might cause their numbers to plummet by as much as 19% by century's end. But a new model looks at other factors, including how individual penguins deal with climate change by migrating to places with optimal sea ice coverage. In their model of potential penguin migrations, researchers looked at how far penguins typically go and what factors figure in the decisions. Penguin decisions, ladies and gentlemen. They don't even know how, why dogs prefer one ball to another, and they're Seriously, I asked an uh, animal behaviorist this question once, and they said, ah, we haven't really. Because, you know, a dog will prefer one ball, identical tennis balls to us. But So go ask a penguin now. They used data previously collected, along with satellite images of penguin colonies that revealed information about their traveling and foraging behavior. The model projects for the next two decades populations will remain stable, may increase slightly as penguins move to more habitable locations after 2050 it all Looks like it goes downhill because climate change will have rendered all their habitats inhospitable by then. The March of the Nothings, ladies and gentlemen. Improving projections for how much ocean levels may change in the future and what that means for coastal communities. That's a prospect that has vexed researchers. But... Um, new international study that incorporates extreme events may have just given researchers and coastal planners what they need. The study published in Nature Communications used newly available data and advanced models to improve global predictions when it comes to extreme sea levels. 
The results suggest extreme sea levels will likely occur more frequently than previously predicted, particularly in west coast regions of the U.S. and in large parts of Europe and Australia. Storm surges globally lead to considerable loss of life and billions of dollars of damages each year, yet we have a limited understanding of the likelihood and associated uncertainties of these extreme events, says an assistant engineering professor at the University of Central Florida who led the study. The study was conducted to make data about extreme events a part of the ongoing research and planning required to help communities prepare now for conditions that may be dramatically different in the not-too-distant future. Because of rising sea levels, when an extreme event collides with continually rising seas, it takes a less intense storm, such as a Cat 1 hurricane, to inflict as much coastal damage as a Cat 2 or 3 would normally. Views of the warm, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude this week's edition of the show. The program returns next week over, this same sta- over these same stations, over NPR worldwide throughout Europe, the USN 440 cable system in Japan, around the world through the facilities of the American Forces Network up and down the east coast of North America via the shortwave giant WBCQ, the planet, 7.490 megahertz shortwave, on the mighty 104 in Berlin, on the terribly mighty Soho Radio in London. Around the world via the Internet at two different locations, live and archived whenever you want it, harryshearer.com and kcsn.org, available for your smartphone through stitcher.com and available as a free podcast. We're a podcast. What could be hipper? At SoundCloud, Sideshow Network, TuneIn.com, iTunes, and WWNO.org. And it'd be just like finding a way to um, transport all that waste without leakage if you'd agree to join with me then. Will you? Alrighty. Thank you very much. Uh huh. A typical show chapeau to the San Diego, Pittsburgh, Chicago, and exile in Hawaii desks. Thanks as always to Pam Halstead and to Jenny Lawson, our hero here at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's broadcast. The email address for this program, playlist of the music heard here on, and your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts, all at harryshare.com. And hey, join the conversation. I'm on Twitter, at the Harry Shearer.
The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station of the Change is Easy radio network. So long from New Orleans.